Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Ridiculous News is a production of iHeartRadio and Cool, Cool, Cool Audio. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. With interesting views on breaking the rules of broadcasting and all sorts of wild reports to keep us laughing. With funny, off-brand, upbeat journalism, the strange and unusual stories of what we give them. When it's all about ridiculous news everywhere, we talking about ridiculous news over here. Hey everyone, welcome to Ridiculous News, not your average news show. We cover stuff you didn't realize was news, from the wild and funny, to the deep and hidden, to the absolutely ridiculous. I'm Bill Worley, an Atlanta-based filmmaker. I'm also a comedian, and I enjoy the sunshine and summer and all of these things. I just saw a little terrier today on my morning walk, Mark, and I can't tell who is more excited to say hello, me or him. (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Hey, everyone. I'm Mark Kendall. I'm an Atlanta-based comedian. And, you know, speaking of being outside, Bill, I am thankful for the spring weather in Atlanta uh, before it turns to summer, like for real, for real, and gets extremely hot. So I'm enjoying the way it is right now. I think I just mixed up my seasons, Mark, because I said summer, and it's nuts. <laughs> oh, you know what? Actually, in all honesty, is it summer now? Is it summer? It may be summer in like a few days. Uh, yeah, I don't I feel. You know, we're obviously journalists here. <laughs> summer. I think. I think. I think it's summer, summer is the soon. End of, it's the end of June. I'm way off. I'm way hey, off. It's look, end of June. Hey, if it's summer in your heart, that's all good. <laughs> That's what I say. Well, Bill, today is a weekly roundup episode where we're going to be discussing headlines that caught our eye recently. So up first, we got some ridiculous news nibbles uh, where we're going to uh, show some quick headlines that were pretty ridiculous. Absolutely. And starting off, there was a man dressed as an elderly woman in a wheelchair who tried to vandalize the Mona Lisa mark at the Louvre. Man, that's right. This is uh, art fans at the Louvre were stunned after an quote un- old woman jumped out of her wheelchair. That right there would have been quite a scene, right? Yeah. To smear cake all over the Mona Lisa. It turned out to be a man in disguise, not an angry grandmother. Um, <laughs> witnesses on social media said he threw off his wig, went for the Mona Lisa, armed with some sort of cream cake, 
Of course, the Mona Lisa is covered in bulletproof glass and is、mm-hmm. very protected.、Um, mm-hmm. So he didn't actually hurt it, but he did smear the cake on that glass. He threw roses everywhere,、uh, all before being tackled by security. And the vandal was actually shouting, Mark, as he was led away. He said,、mm-hmm. quote, Think of the earth. Artists think of the earth. All artists think of the earth. That's why I did it. He yelled, explaining his motive.、Uh, and he also added, Think of the planet.、Um, so, Mark, from now on, whenever I make、mm-hmm. a mistake, I'm going to、yeah. spread roses and scream, Think of the earth. <laughs> think of the planet <laughs> when I accidentally back into someone's car. Yeah. When I spill a drink at an important event. Right, right. Th- that is my new call to action. It's, there's、yeah. a motive behind every mistake I make. And it's. Right, absolutely. <laughs> think of the earth. <laughs> Did you see any of the video?、Um, I haven't.、Uh-uh. It's, it's a little wild. I, I've only seen little bits and pieces that people got from their phone,、mm-hmm. but you definitely see cake smeared on the painting.、Yeah. And it's so odd. I mean, just the roller coaster of emotions, because you see this person, I guess they were in the wheelchair to get a little closer, perhaps. Right.、Um, and maybe, then maybe hide the cake you know, somehow. Maybe. Right, yeah, I have the cake. Right, how did they get a cake into the museum? I know it had. I think it was the wheelchair that had to be part of it that too. Had、so、to that, have been that, it, like, you know, because they they have metal detectors and things. If, if I remember correctly, when you go into the Louvre, I mean, they have a lot of artwork they need to protect. Right, right, yeah. I guess that would have been the thing too, because I mean, sometimes it can be tough to get food into a movie theater. Usually, movie theaters <laughs> are pretty lax, but it'd be tough to bring a cake into a movie a theater, much、cake. less. Yeah. yeah, yeah, much less, much less the Louvre, you know.、Uh, but man, I, I just think about people that were there that because it had to have happened all very quickly. Right. Where it's just like they go from spring from the chair, the cake, throwing the roses. That's a flourish right there. That's a hell of a flourish. And,、yeah. you know, I think, yeah, is it, a, it's obviously a stunt. You're, you're already taking a picture if you're by the Mona Lisa, probably. So I can see why there's so many angles on it.、Yeah. Um, And maybe those people take better care of the earth. I mean, if his goal was to get attention, he succeeded. Not suggesting any of our viewers do this or listeners do right, this. Right, right.、Um, yeah. I don't know. Did he accomplish his goal? Is the earth a better place? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question, Bill. Well, hey, Bill, let's go from the Louvre Museum、yes. to a different museum, a very different museum. Okay, great.、Uh, there's an Iceland penis museum, actually. Wow. And. Yeah, there's, there's a, in Iceland, there is a, a penis themed museum, and it is getting a new edition.、Uh, and not just any new edition,、uh, it is going to be a plaster cast of, you know, arguably the greatest guitarist of all time, Jimi Hendrix.、Uh, plaster cast of Jimi、uh, Hendrix's penis is going to be unveiled at this museum soon.、Uh, and so it was donated by the artist's creator. So、uh, wow. the late Cynthia Albritton. Otherwise known as Cynthia Plaster Caster.、Uh, <laughs> they were an artist and they would create molds of celebrity rock stars'、uh, penises. And so Jimi Hendrix was one of these、uh, penises that were put into a mold. Cynthia Albritton recently passed away. So this is one of her pieces of work that's going to be donated to the museum. So interesting. So I wonder if that means that like, she's the only one who really knew. What this, I mean, obviously there's other people in Jimmy Henderson's life that experienced this, but what, what an interesting, I mean, how, how hard did you have to convince these rock stars 
to let you mold their penises. I don't know if it was a tough conversation or not. I guess it depends how many drinks in. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, this is part of a quote. I'm, I'm taking a part of a quote that they said, talking about their work. They said, uh, the experiences were equally exciting and weird and different from each other in reference to the different <laughs> molds that they made throughout the years. So what I kind of take from that small part of a larger quote is that maybe some people were more comfortable, less comfortable, or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, not a, it's, it's an interesting end of a first date. Uh, if it was even a date. And her her full quote here is very interesting, Mark, where she says, quote, he's, <laughs> I, it seems like this was to have been from, this quote might have been from an interview because she, it's a little bit of back oh, okay. and forth here, but it's, quote, he's my biggest. No, he's not my biggest. There are bigger-ish others, but I couldn't say whether or not he's my most exciting because they're my sweet babies and I am their mama and I'm very democratic with all of my babies. <laughs> I don't like to play favorites. I love them all. That's Cynthia Plastercaster. What was also interesting, Bill, was I was looking at different parts of this uh, penis-themed museum in Iceland, and that was also pretty interesting as well. It's oh, yeah? all different types of art and artifacts. So, hey, if you're in Iceland, check it out. Seems interesting. Next time I go to Iceland, I'm there. Um, yeah. And, you know, speaking of noodles, Mark, uh, this next story is about a poo noodle, pool <laughs> noodle fight. Over the name of Josh that attracted hundreds of people, again, as from AP News, uh, a couple hundred people grabbed their pool noodles and headed to a Nebraska park again this weekend to battle over the right to the name Josh. The event started as an online joke when Josh Swain from Tucson, Arizona, sent out a tweet challenging anyone who shared his name to fight over it. <laughs> and it, of course, took on a life of its own. He turned into a real event last year at some random coordinates. He included in his original note, which was in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, such a strange thing, Tucson, Arizona to Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, mm -hmm. The enthusiasm from everybody here was just incredible, said Swan. Um, several people donned costumes, masks, animal suits, football helmets, which makes me think maybe don't mess with the guy with the football helmet with your pool right. noodle. Not effective. Mm -hmm. um, but the winner was Josh Vincent Jr., a five-year-old. Uh, who defended his title as the number one Josh. Um, I love it. And I love that, you know, to me that says that even with these all, I love that a five-year-old won this competition. There, mm -hmm. Some people were laying down their noodles, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that shows that it was good vibes. That's what <laughs> yeah. 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 In fact, such good vibes, they raised over $21,000 for Children's Hospital Medical Center in Omaha. Uh, and the owners of the Josh Sellers wine label pledged to match that amount with a donation of their own. In the hospital, I love this, Mark, even plans to share some of the donations with the Joshua Collinsworth Memorial Foundation that promotes water safety with its Josh the Otter mascot, who, of course, was also in attendance at Saturday's battle. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, it's so just a, a fun thing. I, I, if there's any bills out there that want to have a, a, a noodle fight, I feel like the name Bill tends to be older people, but there's some young folks. It's, it's coming back around. Bill, I have a question for you. So it's like, you know, you mentioned uh, a noodle fight with the other Bills. That said, if, if you had to pick another activity other than noodle fighting that you feel like would be a fit for the name Bill, what would you go with? If you, if you were to gather all the Bills from around yeah. the world to figure out who's the number one Bill, what's, what's the contest? What's going on? You know, my, 
my brain instantly went to just a, a super soaker gun, like water fight. Oh, I love that. Sounds and those, they're just so fun. Obviously, it needs to be the right weather. You don't want to do that in, in, in the winter or anything. But that just seems mm-hmm. like a like a ridiculous thing. Maybe have some water slides in there. Maybe yeah. a big jumbo water slide. I mean, since it's almost summer and summer in your heart, it seems like a water, a water fight is perfect. You know? <laughs> it is summer in my it's perfect heart. Perfect timing. Perfect timing <laughs> yeah. for a water gun fight. The, the, the final thing could be the big bill belly flop contest into the kiddie pool. Um, oh, I respect that. that. Who's the best? But what yeah. about you, Mark? If, if it was a bunch of marks? You know, Bill, that's a great question. If, as far as like the first thing that comes to my mind, some yeah. sort of an eating contest, you know, <laughs> some sort of an eating contest, like a pie eating contest. And the thing is, the thing is, I actually don't really dig the pie eating contest too much. But if you're trying to figure out who the number one mark is, it's like you got to do some things that maybe you don't want to do sometimes. So that's, 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 that's the first thing that comes to mind for me as a pie eating contest. Well, Mark, you're the number one uh, mark in my book. So, Oh, thank you, Bill. Bill. Well, hey, Bill, this goes with it. Well, you know what? It doesn't go without saying You are the number one, Bill. I don't want to take it for granted. You are the number one, Bill, uh, that I know. I want to make sure I say that out loud. Yeah. It- well, and all you listeners are the number one listeners in our book. And uh, <laughs> we'll be right back to tickle your ears after this. We're going to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscored team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. With amazing and crazy topics to pick and to choose, you are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Okay, so for our main course, Mark, we found a story that was very interesting from the New York Times. And it's actually on history, but it was recently kind of revealed in research history. So that was very interesting stuff about, and intense and kind of sad stuff about a uh, country to the south of us, Haiti. And um, I've been to Haiti, so some of this kind of jumped out at me. Um, I was there when I was a younger kid to help my dad. Uh, We shot a video to help fundraise for an orphanage. That video did really well. And it was a guy named Jean-Paul who uh, lived in Georgia, but was born in Haiti and came to the U.S., became a engineer, was very successful 
and decided that he wanted to give back to his home country, uh, built an orphanage, spent a lot of time down there. Um, so we went down there and had a, such a great time. It was a very, uh, it was before the earthquake. So it was before 2010. Um, we were in La Plaine, which is south of the capital of Port-au-Prince. And the people were amazing. The, the poverty was pretty devastating um, to see the poverty because it was, like I said, one of the poorest parts of Haiti. Um, and I think what was what I remember is how joyous and kind and warm and welcoming all the kids, all the people we met. You know, if you're in the United States and you were living in those conditions, you know, it, I think people's attitudes would have been completely different. Um, so it definitely left a huge, like, made my heart bake for the, the, the people that I met in Haiti, all the people I met in Haiti. Um, and so reading the story about... Uh, Haiti and what happened with the U.S. and Wall Street and banks and what they did was heartbreaking and very um, ridiculous. And so we wanted to highlight that today. Yeah, Bill, thanks so much for sharing your uh, experience going there. I, maybe you had mentioned that before, but I didn't realize that you had gone there to, you know, make a video there. That's so that's so cool and getting to connect yeah. uh, with the people there. I, I've never, you know, had the fortune of getting to go to. Uh, Haiti and reading this article that we're going to go into soon, I was reminded about how much uh, Haiti's history is kind of shrouded from, you know, the American school system. I, I have a very distinct memory in junior year of history class. And I remember because like history is definitely my favorite subject in high school. And it's always kind of tough if you are, you know, well, I shouldn't say always. I don't know everyone's experience, but my experience uh, growing up in history class, um, getting access to black history taught in schools. You kind of had to always find that on your own. So it was like my mom or my parents sharing like, okay, this is the the books you read for school, but here's these other books you need to read to get your black history. And I remember mm -hmm. uh, when we were, it, you know, it was, I forget what we were studying. But anyway, I remember in my history book, uh, when it mentions the the Haitian Revolution, and this is world history, by the way, so it's like when it mentions the Haitian Revolution, it's like this teeny tiny little paragraph, wow. and I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second, this is like a huge moment in history, and it's yeah. like it's just like a little blip, and uh, and not only like the the revolution occurring, but also like the aftermath of it and the world's relationship with Haiti going forward, and so uh, I just kind of wanted to share that, I guess, and that yeah. a lot of times I feel like when we talk about certain places like Haiti or whatever, something that's often missing is just context. And so I think this article does a good job of providing some of that. So I just wanted to share that. Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, Haiti was the world's first Black-led republic and first independent Caribbean state uh, in when it threw off the French colonial slavery in the early 19th century, which is a huge deal. You know, absolutely more than a should be more than a blip in a history book. Um, and so this article dives deep into kind of what happened after, and, and there's a lot of wild things that happened. Um, but it, this is a quote, our amazing researcher, Casey, pulled a lot of this information, and, and this is an article from the New York Times. In the drowsy hours of a December afternoon, eight American Marines strolled into the headquarters of Haiti's National Bank and walked out with $500,000 in gold packed in wooden boxes. This took place in 1914 and was a precursor to the full-scale invasion of Haiti. They 
American forces took over the country the following summer and ruled it with brute force for 19 years, one of the longest military occupations in American history. And even after the soldiers left in 1934, Haiti remained under the control of American financial officers who pulled the country's purse strings for another 13 years. Yeah, that's so staggering hearing that, you know? I mean, that, and I, but prior to reading this article, unfortunately, I was not aware of that, you know? So it's just like, it's like, man, I hate that I'm ignorant of that, you know? Right, and it's one of those things that, you know, we should learn, because if we don't learn it, we're doomed to repeat it. I mean, and honestly, if you look at kind of the history Americans have had with occupying countries, it's not been great. Uh, not been great at all. Yeah, this next part of the article, Bill, uh, I thought was also uh, in, enlightening as well. So the article goes on to say, uh, invading Haiti was necessary, the United States said. The country was so poor and unstable, the explanation went that if the United States didn't take over, some other power would, in America's backyard no less. And then this quote was wild. Uh, and by wild, I mean bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Secretary of State Robert Lansing also portrayed the occupation as a civilizing mission to end the, quote, anarchy, savagery, and oppression, unquote, in Haiti, uh, convinced that, as he once wrote, the African race are devoid of any capacity for political organization. And so that quote itself is is really bad, but it's also terrible just being like, hey, listen, this is so poor and unstable. And it's just like, well, because we took the money and destabilized them. It's like, look at y'all. Right. Look at y'all being poor. What yeah. are you doing as they're like taking gold? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, the, it's, it's like, I'm laughing just because it's like so wild to say that. It's yeah. so wild. To it's say, the you know. bully taking your hand and hitting you with it and saying, right. stop hitting yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's nuts. And this is why this history is so important to look at these mm-hmm. things. And it's also, to me, Mark, this like just a bigger societal issue that we have in America that there's, you know, people that want to refer to you know, originalists that kind of want to talk about the constitution things as they were when they were invented and like a lot's changed and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of other context. Um, so maybe we should consider. So, uh, or we definitely should consider, um, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and so after, you know, decades of diplomatic correspondence, financial reports and archival records reviewed by the New York times showed that, you know, the United States seized control of Haiti for the wealth that it promised. So they knew, these folks knew that there was a lot of wealth and a lot of opportunity in Haiti, which is why they were stealing the money and taking advantage. What's crazy, it was Wall Street and especially the bank that later became Citigroup. This is so nuts. I mean, one of the things that jumped out to me at this story, Mark, is that, you know, we talk about business and how influence and how it's, you know, really intertwined with our government. But back then that mm-hmm. a bank was the big group that pushed for an invasion of a country is wild. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just weird because it's like Citigroup is a place that exists today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. And it's just like, oh yeah, they were behind this invasion. Just thinking that that's, that's, um, you know, that's a lot, that's a lot to take in. Yeah. And I don't think they've acknowledged it really well. You know, I think that's, right. it's something that, you know, maybe after this, <laughs> they'll have to do some PR and, and come up with some more information about it. But it's, it's pretty wild. Yeah. And, and, and this next part of the article, I thought, was informative as well. Uh, so it goes on to say, you know, by the time U.S. forces arrived in the summer of 1915, Haiti had already spent more than half a century handing over big slices uh, of his uh, earnings to France, you know, so it had already been paying 
you know, money to their former colonizers, you know? Yeah, they, they and, had to pay their slaveholders. Yeah. Which yeah. is wild after they got independence. Yeah. Nuts. I mean, it's just like, some some people talk about reparations like, oh my gosh, that's insane. That's wild. And it's just like, Haiti. <laughs> but then it's just like you have documentation of Haiti paying their 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 slave owners, you know? So hear, hearing that, I think that that puts a different spin on talk about reparations and what that even means, <laughs> you know, to, to me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's it's obviously had a huge impact on generations and generations and generations of people. Mm-hmm. Seems like Citigroup has some money too. Um, I, I know, right? It's just like, it's interesting <laughs> that like, you know, we know Citigroup did this, but it's, it's like, it's not like they're on the hook as far as I know for paying that back or anything. Mm-mm. I think this quote from the major general who was one of the leader of the American forces really sums up how corrupt and insane this was, Mark. He said uh, in 1935, Quote, I helped make Haiti and Cuba a decent place for the National City Bank boys to collect revenues, describing Jeez. himself as a, quote, racketeer for capitalism. Oh, my God. It's just wild. It was like a, a army. Our army was run by these banks who wanted to profit. And it wasn't it wasn't even like a secret, you know, like the mm-hmm. the generals knew it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like they had some guilt over it. Yeah, it, it's it's. Is weird about how just open <laughs> about something like that. You know, right. it's just like, right. So I think this kind of sums it up to Mark from this article is that under heavy pressure from National City Bank, Citigroup's predecessor, the Americans elbowed the French aside in Haiti and became the dominant power in Haiti for decades. It dissolved Haiti's parliament at gunpoint, killed thousands of people, controlled its finances for more than 30 years, shipped giant portions of its earnings to bankers in New York and left behind a country so poor that farmers who helped generate the profits often lived on a diet, quote, close to starvation level, which is what United Nations officials determined in 1949, which was soon after Americans let go of the reins. Yeah, Bill, I think that's a good paragraph that kind of sets up the context of this article. And I think learning this is so important. And I know we've mentioned some of it before, but to me, I'm just reminded going through this article, how important it is understanding history that's come before to make sense of what's going on today. I mean, I feel like often when a country like Haiti, for example, is discussed, it's, or talked about, you know, I feel like the the people of Haiti are the ones that are blamed, you know, right. more often than not for the poverty that it's experiencing or the tough times that it's experiencing. But it's not like it's some accident or anything wrong with the people of Haiti at all, you, you know? And of course we, of course we know that, you know, it's, it's, it's not the people of Haiti. It's not anything like that, but without context, I think it leaves this doorway open for people like that secretary of state <laughs> that said like, these people aren't capable of being civilized. Mm. And I feel like that's really damaging language. And so, but that said, you know, we, we, we realize this story is kind of a downer, but something that, we'd be remiss to also mention is that, you know, Bill, you mentioned this on your, about when talking about your visit to Haiti, Mm -hmm. it's like, these are an amazing people. I mean, like, like we said, these are the people that, you know, staged a successful revolution, you know what I mean? And, and, and and they, and they gain their independence. And it's just like, 
that's that's an amazing thing and 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 an amazing culture. And so um and so these are resilient people and who have overcome so much and continue to do so. And so just wanted to make sure that we said that as well. We'll be right back with more ridiculous news after this short break. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Don't get it confused. You are now tuned in to Ridiculous News. Okay, we're back and... We have a couple more ridiculous news stories that we want to throw at y'all. We had a fun, very ridiculous news week. So this one is about high schoolers who stepped in to help after a sixth grader says no one signed his yearbook. And this one got me, Mark, when I was reading Mm -hmm. about it. So, you know, it's the end of the year. They're going into the summer. So it's the time when kids are H-A-G-S, have a great summer, hags, uh, Signing each other's yearbooks. And I remember, Mark, that was such a big thing for me. I'd love to see how many people I could get to sign my yearbook. And I, you know, I still have my own high school yearbooks. I haven't looked at them in probably years. But, you know, that stuff was was special and fun. And I can't imagine being a kid um, not having your yearbook signed. Yeah. I mean, I remember having fun getting my yearbook signed as well growing up. And I don't remember it being the kind of thing where people were mean, you know, like yeah. it was kind of, and, or I guess what I'm saying is the experience of someone not wanting to sign it or being mean about that process is just like, ah, oh, that's a real, that's a real downer. Yeah. And that's what happened to Brody Ritter, a sixth grader at the Academy of Charter Schools in Westminster is Mark, he went up to people and I asked him to sign his yearbook and they were like, no. And he collected two or three names from his classmates, a couple notes from his teachers. Brody said it made him feel, quote, useless, especially after a tough school year two to bullying. Um, and this, um, it's hard for me to even read. Since he did not collect many signatures, Brody wrote a yearbook note to himself, and he wrote to himself, hope you make some more friends, Brody Ritter. Um, and his mom, like me, it, it broke her heart. And she said it was really hard to see and read as a mom. So she snapped a photo of it, posted 
it to Facebook for parents at the school and other parents showed it to children. The post made its way to three upperclassmen and they all started planning that they were going to go sign this kid's yearbook. Um, so a lot of the seniors rounded up as many students as possible to sign Brody's yearbook, even though none of them had ever met him. Um, they walked in, they were like, where's Brody at? It's Brody here. Uh, and they all came to sign his yearbook and they even played rock, paper, scissors to see who could sign it first. So he got more than a hundred signatures of paragraphs with words of encouragement, advice, and even phone numbers. Um, this kid's wrote, Hey Brody, we don't know you, but we think you're super cool and I'll be your senior friend. So they were there to help stick up for him for that big transition from middle school to high school the next year. Um, and Brody said, it just made me feel better as a person. I don't know how to explain it. It just makes me feel better on the inside. That's great. I, I love that moment of all the upperclassmen showing up and being like, where's Brody? We're here to sign the yearbook. <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> it's fucking Get out of the way, cool kids. Get out of the way. <laughs> Pushing down the jacks. Uh, yeah, that is definitely a, a made-for-TV moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, well, Bill, this next story, I would say, is also made for TV. So this uh, story took place in Brunswick, Georgia. So there are workers uh, cooking burgers and tater tots at a Sonic uh, fast food kitchen. And then suddenly, they uh, came across a python, apparently. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Brunswick Police Lieutenant Matthew Wilson found employees of the Sonic drive-in huddled in the parking lot when he arrived to investigate... uh, because on the phone, uh, they described a culprit with brown diamonds on his back. Uh, then Lieutenant Wilson went on to say, when I saw it, I could tell it was just a ball python and not a rattlesnake. So he not only removed the large non-venomous snake, but also found it a new home with a friend who was a large terrarium <laughs> and a fondness for snakes. <laughs> to me, that's pretty wild. Just being like, yeah, don't worry. I got it. I'll move this. I got a friend. He'll t- he, he, he loves these things. You guys don't have um, a snake guy? I got a snake you, guy. You, don't, you ain't got a snake guy? You need a snake guy. You know? <laughs> Everybody needs a snake guy. Uh, uh, and so apparently, Wilson says the python likely slipped into the Sonic's kitchen on May 21st through an open back door finding mm. a cozy spot for his cold-blooded body behind the hot fryer. And so, look, does it make sense that if a snake was able to get into a door, it would stay in a warm place? I guess, yes, that makes sense. But who just had, what is it with like a loose python just like <laughs> making his way into a sonic fast food place? Yeah. Um, that's I'm just like, what? You know, gotta have Sonic. I don't know what their theme is. You know, I had a Python as a kid, and they do, they like to be in those little hidden, warm places. And mm-hmm. I think the only thing that gets you used to snakes is owning a snake. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the only thing. And I still, you know, I'm still hesitant if I see a snake cross my path on a trail or anywhere. Always be mm-hmm. careful. I'm not trying to pick it up. But, uh, you know, they're, they can be friendly animals. They're one of the most domesticated animals of all time. Um, and while they might not have a lot of personality, uh-huh. I am happy that this snake found a home and that there's a happy ending. Yeah, I, I, I am too. I, yeah, it would, be, it would just be so shocking. You know, you're going to flip a burger. <laughs> you see a python right there. And you're like, what? I, I don't get paid enough to deal with this. You know, like, <laughs> I, I don't what, know if I've, if I've mentioned this before or not, but like one of my first jobs was working at a movie theater and it was the same summer that snakes on a plane came out. Oh my god. And gosh. so we had a meeting 
where they're just like, hey, listen, I don't even understand why we had the meeting, but they're just like, we weren't even showing snakes on a plane at our theater. But they're just like, hey, listen, just don't let anyone bring any snakes in here or whatever. I guess they were anticipating people bringing in snakes. I don't know. <laughs> like, I was just like, I, I don't know. But yeah, and of course, that or that never happened, by the way. <laughs> yeah, what it, what it, snakes, Jurassic Park, people going to bring in their dinosaurs? Like, I know, what, right? Yeah. Like, what? That's such a weird concern. But maybe there was just, you know, a chain email that went around between mm-hmm. all the theater owners. That makes sense. Maybe, yeah, maybe one theater owner is just like, hey, man, in, uh, in Nebraska, someone brought in their snakes. Don't, don't end up like me. And they're like, oh, snap, this needs to go nationwide. <laughs> we got to warn everybody so that four, we don't four, end up like four. Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Share, share, share. Yeah, share, share, share. <laughs> well, we've come to one of my favorite parts, always one of our favorite parts of the show, Mark, <laughs> where we share the um, spring of inspiring inspirations which is a quote that we found inspirational. And this one happens to be from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm going to spare our audience from my Schwarzenegger <laughs> impression, but feel free to read this in his, uh, or hear this in his tone in your head. He said, and he would know, strength does not come from winning. Your struggles develop your strengths. When you go through hardships and decide not to surrender, that is strength. Arnold coming through with some wisdom there. <laughs> <laughs> Drop in the bomb, does get to the chopper. That's it. That's all. That's all I'm gonna do. And we love doing this show for y'all. We really do, and we appreciate it because we couldn't do it if you weren't listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. And we know you got a lot of choices. Thanks for spending your time with us. We really do appreciate it. And hey, if you want to stay in touch with us, you can. So you can email us at ridiculousnews at iheartmedia.com. You can follow us on social media at Ridiculous News on Facebook and IG. And be sure to check out our comedy videos at Mark Kendall Comedy on IG, TikTok, and Facebook, and at Kendall Comedy on Twitter. Have a great, 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 great day, evening, night, wherever you are. We, we appreciate you. Farewell. Bye, y'all. Ridiculous News is hosted by Mark Kendall and Bill Worley. Executive producers are Ben Bolin and Noel Brown. Produced and edited by Tari Harrison. Research provided by Casey Willis. And theme music by Four Eyes and Dr. Delight. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. 
and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity, 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. 